Hungry Trilobite Podcast would like to start by acknowledging these fine conventions. SoonerCon is Central Oklahoma's longest-running pop culture convention. The next event is scheduled for June 24th through 26, 2002 in Norman, Oklahoma. However, they need your help to put on the next event. Please visit SoonerCon.com to find out how you can help make SoonerCon 30 a reality. The Hellmouth Convention The Hellmouth Convention is a celebration of all pop culture, but specifically things like Buffy, Angel, Firefly, and Dr. Horrible. It is held in Los Angeles, California, and the next event is scheduled for June 3rd through 5th, 2022. Proceeds benefit the Los Angeles LGBT Center as well as the Ron Glass Memorial Scholarship Fund. For more information, go to thehellmouth.org. Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bossig, and I'll be your host. Today I'm having part two of my discussion on hashtag fans for healing, and we're welcoming Jared Alberic back to the show. Now you're certainly welcome to go to the previous episode and catch up if that's what you want to do, but I'm designing this so that you don't have to do that if you don't want to. If, if you'd like to jump right into the discussion, let's go. On tap today, we have back my buddy Jared Alberic. How you doing? Good, sir. Well, hello there, Aaron. Thank you for uh, stepping into the trap of having me back. Well, you and I have talked about G.I. Joe, and we've talked about James Bond, and we've talked about retro games and all sorts of fun things. And I started this conversation I call Fans for Healing, and you mentioned that you have some experience in this area. Uh, Our last guest from the previous episode started off talking about what it's like to take mental health issues to a licensed professional. And I strongly recommend that, but let's talk about what you're looking at is what does this say about who we are as people? And what does it say about who we are as fans? Absolutely. Absolutely. Aaron, Um, I'm coming at this from, you know, just give your listeners some background in 2001, I was in the air force and I was selected to teach leadership classes at air university in maxwell air force base in montgomery and i fell in love with teaching that i was a computers officer i was like (laughs) just the right kind of nerdery you know uh computers and communications officer and i got selected for what's called career broadening and that's when i fell in love with teaching and especially leadership and i've been teaching leadership classes for about 20 years now a lot of different takes and looks on it in fact i have my own leadership podcast called leadership tips with jared if i can put a little plug in there uh, for my show on there. But what one of the things I really dive deep into is the concept of emotional intelligence. Um, how well do you control your own emotions? How well do you read the emotions of others around you? How well do you manage the emotions of others around you? How well do you present yourself? Period. <laughs> how do you how well do you present yourself? So when I saw you going real sort of deep dive into fandom and it's Maybe it's darker corners and maybe how how it can be used for good, how it's kind of used for evil, if you will. I reached out to you and said, hey, if you want the sort of emotional intelligence spin on this with a couple other facets we can go into. Like I said, it's not the only portion of classes I've taught over these last 20 years, but I think that one fits here really well. So there's my background. If people haven't tuned out after that boring story, congratulations for hanging in on it. Okay, well, thank you for that, because I am I was kind of not surprised when you, you poked on me and said, that, hey, I have a background in this, but it's like I was relieved is probably the better word, because I knew that, you know, I already kind of knew where you were coming from on a lot of topics, so to say you can, you can have speak with qualifications helps a lot, and I think that part of what we have to talk about is the fact that we do so much of our, our lives online these days, and that's that's a very new thing for humans. We're not used to having so many eyes on us valuing our opinions so much, even when they're on opinions on extremely stupid things. <laughs> I, I, and that's, that's just a new concept. It's like, if I eat a bad cheeseburger yesterday, well, that sucks for me, but the world doesn't have to know about it. And now suddenly they do. And that leads to a whole dynamic that we're just not used to. And we don't have the emotional intelligence, like if, if that's the right word, to, to judge how to have that conversation 
you're right the the best thing about the internet is it gave everybody a voice and the worst thing about the internet is it gave everybody a voice um one of the things i like to talk about and i'll jump into nerdery real quick here aaron and you rein me in whenever you want one of my favorite things to mention in my overarching views of the internet especially social media is i like to use this uh comparison anytime you get into the nerderies of comic books or movies or whatever anytime a character in the movies or the comics suddenly gains the ability to read everyone else's thoughts one of two things happens they either go insane or they learn to stop or control or put up barriers and say i don't need to read thoughts all the time this is exactly what's going on with social media it's giving us access to everyone's thoughts all the time so it, I'm, I'm very passionate about this because i see people fall into this trap of social media and they, and they don't think of it in terms of that very simple example i just gave you you're either going to drive yourself nuts <laughs> or you're going to learn to put up your own gateways and protect yourself you know and sometimes that means just stopping it that <laughs> sometimes it means just stopping so i mean i know it's sort of an extreme from the get-go on this episode but uh, I, I really believe in it it makes sense and i when you say that i look at how i treated social media 10 years ago versus how i treat it now when i used when i got on facebook back when you know facebook circa 2009 2010 very different beast than it is today i had 70 people on my friends list, all of whom I had met in physical space in one way or another, most of whom I was related to by blood. And I was like, Facebook was my newspaper for people in my life. I could say, oh, this happened to so-and-so. I took pride in looking at every post and checking on every person every day. I would never dream of doing that today. Today, <laughs> social media is like a river. You step in it, whatever you step in, you step in, pun intended, and then you have to step back out. You can't get it all. You should not try to get it all. Mm -mm, no. Uh, and as, uh, as you know, and maybe some of your listeners know, uh, these days, although I do still teach leadership classes once a week uh, for the local junior college, I am more of an artist. My full-time job is uh, an artist, right? And so as an artist, I have to have social media if I want any amount of success, right? So here comes one of Jared's big list, uh, lessons for this episode. So tune in, people, if you're struggling with how to use social media, especially if you are a producer of something, podcast, artist, writer, what have you. Listen, I'll get real close to my, my microphone. Listen very carefully. I highly recommend a push, don't pull mentality when it comes to social media. Push what you need to push. Push out your latest drawing, your latest comic, your latest podcast, whatever, but don't just sit there for hours and pull and scroll and look like, yeah, we're all going to be bored sometimes in the DMV. And that's a great time to scroll social media and go, oh, this person's crazy. You oh, know, that's kind of cool. And Oh, look, a kitten video, you know, but other than that, really push, don't pull, get away from it. You know, respond to the people who have something to say about your comic or your podcast or whatever, especially if they're positive. And hey, thanks for the feedback, blah, blah, blah. The people who troll you and say, oh, everything you do sucks. You know what you do with those people? You just ignore them. <laughs> it's, it's all you do so uh, again um I, I i know i'm getting real passionate even from when we started but it's such a dangerous thing social media and, I, and i've definitely learned uh push uh don't pull and i had to learn that like you said aaron you know over the years you used to be poll it used to be go to facebook and check in on all your friends and who's on vacation and all that and you wanted to poll but now it's like no polling is far too dangerous Polling gives you far too much access to people's inner thoughts all the time, which going back to my original point, we're not as humans, we are not meant to have that. We are not meant to know what everybody's thinking all the time. It is too much for us to process. And the sheer volume now, like I said, I had 70 people on that initial friends list for the longest time. It took me years to crack a hundred. And then suddenly it went from a hundred to a thousand almost overnight. And, and it just becomes it's too complex and you start getting into people who I've never met people. I've met tangently people. I'm not sure are actually real people. They might be just fake account. Who knows anymore? And, and, and we're literally in a space now where we're wondering if somebody sends us a friend request, if they're actually a human being or a robot. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. Uh, I, I have a little process for when I get like a Twitter uh, request, you know, someone follows me I, to determine whether I'm going to follow them back. 
one of the, this is going to sound stupid Arab. I'll take you through my process. One of the first things I look for is do they have an actual avatar picture? You know, it doesn't have to be themselves, but like, is there a, like, if it's just a blank egg thing, I'm like, I'm not so sure. And then I, you know, look to see the next thing I do is I look at their bio and I see, so I see what they're passionate about. And more importantly, Aaron, I see how they define themselves. And a lot of times seeing how people define themselves makes me go, mm, I'm going to take a pass, <laughs> you know? I'll tell you right now, if you're in your bio and you're bragging about who you've blocked or who's blocked you, you have a very, very low emotional intelligence rating. And again, emotional intelligence, I keep going back to this. It's very, that's very big to me. Like, that's what I look for in, tw in Twitter followers and social media followers is do you have any amount of emotional intelligence? And when you're sitting there bragging about, oh, I got by blocked by so-and-so and I was, I blocked so-and-so. It's, it's so baseline emotional intelligence. I just don't want to deal with those people. I I, I'm interested in, in your opinion on this, and I, I would not normally bring this up, but only because this is the conversation, I'm going to say it. Um, I don't brag about blocking people. I don't know if I've ever actually blocked a person per se, but there is somebody who's blocked me. I won't say who. It's somebody of significance, in their own minds at least. And they are bragging about having blocked me. I've <laughs> What do you say about this person and their emotional intelligence? And I have a reason for asking. I'm not trying to stir drama. I'm asking as an example, what you would say. I would say they have extremely low emotional intelligence. Uh, first of all, I want to say, Aaron, that I'm proud of you uh, for not blocking anybody. I, have, I also have a zero person block list. I've never blocked anybody. Are there people that I just like can't stand? Sure, I'm a human. There's people that rub me the wrong way. But congratulations to you for handling that with a large amount of emotional intelligence and going, I don't need to block anybody. I can just not interact with them. You know, even if they do come try and poke you with a stick, like I say, if you just ignore it long enough, they're going to go poke something else with a stick. You know, it's, it's just how it is. But going back to your question, that person who is out there of quote unquote significance who has blocked you and is bragging about it, it's, it's automatic red flag of super low emotional intelligence. What that tells me is they are defining themselves by their ability to be negative about somebody else and that's just sad <laughs> if you really think about it that's, that's why when i look at these people like when i decide whether i want to follow somebody back if they're sitting there bragging about oh so-and-so blocked me or that's a win for me or i blocked so-and-so and they can suck it i'm like you're basically at a kindergarten level of social media or, or emotional intelligence you're just saying you know every anything that bothers me i just i just block it and if someone blocks me that i don't like well that's awesome too and it's just like do you have any idea how you're presenting yourself to the world so yes aaron the person who blocked you and brags about it is extremely low emotional intelligence and not worth your time frankly no i agree but let, let, let's just because maybe somebody listening right now might not understand why we're coming at this this way. They, they get that buzz out of hitting the block button. And let's just say it is a literal button that you push on your screen and it does its thing. It's like I can push my shift P right here. That's the amount of effort it takes. Are you really congratulating yourself from getting somebody else on the other side of the planet to push that button? <laughs> you're happy that you made that tiny little action happen set your sights higher in life exactly and i, I want to be clear about something else to your listeners uh, aaron just just i think i think i'm going to speak for both of us here you correct me if i'm wrong does the block button have its uses some people need it to protect themselves um you know from attacks harassment and things like that um, so I want to be very clear we're not, if we're, if you're listening, you're like, shoot, I've blocked like 12 people and these guys are patting each other back. Cause they don't block anybody. Hey, if you needed to block the 12 people for your mental health or whatever, fine. All right. We're not, we're not shooting you down. We're not saying you're a bad person. Now, if you're out there bragging about who you blocked, eh, you might want to reevaluate how you're doing things. <laughs> sure. And I want to give the caveat that I have not, again, I'm not sure. I don't believe I blocked anybody. I have for certain I have for certain muted quite a few people and I, I, the mute button for me is great because that means that the line of dialogue is not completely closed that, that there could be a conversation with some effort if there ever needed to be, but I just don't need to see that person in my feed. They are contributing nothing to my experience. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I've muted several people as well, too. One of the other functions I found supremely useful is a lot of people, when I tell them this, don't even know this function exists. So public service announcement, if you don't, if you've got somebody who's like always retweeting, oh, I don't know, let's say political stuff on the timeline, you can go to that individual's page on your phone. You can click on the top right corner. And one of the options is turn off retweets. You can turn off any of your, anybody you're following ability to retweet into your timeline use that copiously because i know i do i say no no i don't need i don't you know i don't need to necessarily you know block this person or or maybe even mute them sometimes it's just a matter of turning off retweets so that's that's a public service announcement i have uh, <laughs> for the folks out there so yeah i've never never fooled I, i've muted a lot i've turned off retweets i've unfollowed people that i still like in real life i just don't like how they are on social media. So that's not a block. It's just, a, I'm just going to unfollow this person. I don't need their stuff in my timeline. If I saw them tomorrow, I'd give them a hug, pat them on the back. I'm very fond of them, but I just don't need that. So, you know, those are all the ways I've avoided the the, uh, the block button, I guess. <laughs> well, and I just remind myself that, and I don't want to just get into why I do things, but I think it's important to, to kind of give another perspective than the, I have to perpetually be trolling and fighting. My time on this earth is limited. My time on social media is limited. I have a certain thing I want to accomplish. That is, I want to reach out to the people who are kind of in the same wavelength as this podcast, who are into the same things I like. I want to build a community. Getting into those weeds takes away from my time to do that. It's a negative. I want to cut out all those negatives I can. And that's why I mute aggressively for certain categories of people. Those categories are mine to know and mine alone. But <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just scroll past arguments I don't want to have. I, mm -hmm. And there are times that I just know that it's not my discussion to have. I don't have to throw my two cents into everything. That is a great point. I don't have to throw my two cents into everything. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to absolutely butcher a Winston Churchill quote, but he said something to the effect of, if you stop to fight with every dog that barks with you, you'll never get where you're going. I, I'm sure I bastardized it, but the point is there. You don't have to take every fight you scroll by. I mean, I see stuff. We all see stuff, you know, on social media all the time that just, we see it and we just, oh my goodness. But, you know, one of the many superpowers you can have on social media is the ability to just shake your head left or right and scroll that thumb right on. Up. <laughs> you can, you don't have to be part of the argument because I mean, how much energy does it really take from you? And I can see that's where you're going with that, Aaron. Like if you, how many times do you sit there for, I don't know, let's say 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Some people do all day arguments thinking about, oh, what are they going to say? And how am I going to clap back? And like, really, you just spent how many hours determining how you're going to clap back against a stranger on the internet, you know, because, you know, they uh, don't like your opinion on Star Wars. Like, what? <laughs> like, really? How much time are you, how much time are you willing to give? And I, I think that's a great point, Aaron. We only have so many minutes on the planet how much are you going to devote to uh fake uh, internet arguments and it's the fakeness that i i definitely think we, we i should bring up or or look at because the star trek discovery just had its new season launch two weeks ago and that brought back a, reopened a lot of old wounds i don't know if you follow the drama or if you're even aware of it but okay it, it's fair it's nothing new is, is the point I always look at is that, you know, ever since they made a new Star Trek 80 in the 80s, they've been arguing people, this isn't the real thing. I don't like this. People who like this aren't real fans. It's so old. The argument has happened over and over again. But now that we have the, you know, the steroids of Twitter added onto it, you get people organizing about why they're the real fans and the other people who like this. And it's just what you, we were talking about off camera. People, they want to say that you need to like something you don't like, or you shouldn't like something you do like. And that is such a weird, emotionally stunted thing to say. It's like, let's not talk about Star Trek. Let's just talk about the fact that you're a grown human being. I, I assume that you've graduated high school and you're allowed to vote and drive or, or the, the things that we think a normal human being should be able to do. And you can't understand that people have different opinions. That's the level we're at here. Can we, can we look at that? Oh, I don't, I don't get it because 
fandom is so weird about that, Aaron. It's the weirdest corner of that because let's let's not even talk about fandom anymore. Let's talk about black licorice. All right. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people are indifferent about it. I haven't seen any huge Twitter fights over black licorice, although I'm certain if we search, we could find one. Okay. But the point of it is pretty basic. I mean, it's a matter of taste. Is it for you? Is it not for you? I'm even willing to dive into your example of Star Trek Discovery. Okay. I haven't seen it. I don't feel a strong draw to see it. Do I consider myself a Star Trek fan? You bet your ass I do. But just because I feel like something wasn't made for me doesn't make it a bad thing. No, I, you know, let me put this, I don't know, I'm, I'm the king of metaphors on this, but you know, remember when, Aaron, you and I are about the same age. Remember when we were teenagers and kind of discovering music for the first time? We're like, oh yeah, you know, I don't know. Since we're about the same age, we were probably like, oh yeah, you know, uh, Let's see what was cool when we were when we were in high school, Aaron. What was cool? So oh, let's check out the spin doctors. You know, they were cool when I was okay. Cool. We'll go with that. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know, I was whatever it is you're into. And then you sort of your dad or maybe your grandfather pulls you aside and says, Oh, okay, so you, you dig in the music. And grandpa knows that he's not into the spin doctors, but he's like, You really like that guitar riff and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Let me teach you about Stevie Ray Vaughan. Let me teach you about BB King. And you listen to that old stuff and your mind just explodes because you're like, I thought all the old stuff was dumb. It's so great. Why can't fandom be like that? Why can't mm -hmm. I say, I get it. Star Trek Discovery, it's not made for me. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to watch it, but you know what else I don't have to do? I don't have to bitch about it in public squares. But if a young person comes to me and says, hey, man, you know, some like my son who's 15, oh, I've been watching Star Trek Discovery. It's dope. And I go, really? Let me show you something else. Let me show you 1960s Star Trek, or let me show you Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, and blow your freaking mind about how good the old stuff can be. Why, why can't it be like that? Why can't it just be like that? When we were high schoolers and we discovered old, old stuff that was amazing, it's now our turn as mm -hmm. the older people to be that. And yes, we don't have to go to the public square. I'm not going to go to the public square and say, oh, I think Star Trek Discovery sucks because A, I haven't seen it. <laughs> and, and B, I guess that just doesn't. What's it going to gain you? It's going to make me look like a jerk for going to the public square and jumping up. No, Star Trek Discovery sucks. What do I care if people are out there and enjoying it? Is if they're enjoying it and it spurs a Star Trek discussion to where I can help some youngling find some cool stuff from the past, and I think that's great. And anything else is a waste of time, really. I'm really trying not to pretend to read people's minds because I know I can't. But when I talk to these people or at least see them talk to other people it really to me looks like a case of i'm worried that the the young people like this new star trek and they're going to think that's real star trek and that's going to hurt me because i won't be able to give them the experience i had with star trek you become the arbiter of what is and isn't in that fandom or any fandom i'm just picking star trek because it's the most recent example literally two weeks ago but, and I just want to say, but nobody elected you the judge of what is and isn't in that fandom. You put yourself on that pedestal and now you're mad nobody else recognizes it. And that comes back to emotional intelligence. Do you, do you realize you weren't the center of the universe? You're absolutely right. Um, tying it right back to the emotional intelligence thing we started off with. Yeah, it's very low emotional intelligence to, to, to think, hey, I'm, like you said, I'm the gatekeeper of this fandom. And if it doesn't do what I want it to do, then, you know, blah, 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 stamp up and down, whatever. You know, my, my deepest fandom, Aaron, is um, James Bond. We've talked about that before. It's my deepest fandom, okay? I just, we all just got done with the Daniel Craig era. Uh, I will readily admit to anybody and everyone, the Daniel Craig era is my least favorite era. Does that mean I don't like it? No, that's not what that means. I still like it. I still enjoy it. I have every one of them Blu-rays lined up. You can bet they're dusted and cleaned and lined up and all that stuff because I, because I love it. I mean, there's no reason for me to go to these young people who are, who only know the Craig era and be like, you guys are ruining my James Bond. Like I said, it's better to come in as the older guy and go, Hey, you know, if you liked Craig, 
maybe check out Timothy Dalton. He was kind of like the original Craig, you know, the first kind of stripped down, harder nosed double And maybe you'll like that, you know, and they probably were watching, oh, this, this old stuff's not so bad. And then like, all right, wait till you get the Moonraker, you know, that's just a James Bond joke for the fans out there because the Moonraker is the silliest one, but, but it's still fun as all get out. So uh, yeah, again, your instincts serve you, right, Aaron? You know, people who view themselves as, I don't know, the gatekeepers or the president-elect of certain fandom, uh, getting mad because people like the new stuff. It's just that awareness of, you know, not everything's made for you. And guess what, folks? There's a hard truth coming at you right here on the Hungry Child Bite podcast. As you get older, like Aaron and I are, less and less stuff is made for you. Okay. There is a, you know, it, it, I don't want to depress everybody, but there's a certain amount of truth in what Marcus Brody said in Indiana Jones and Last Crusade. We are starting to reach an age where life stops giving us things and starts taking it away. And that is the nature of life. It is. You know, just as you're getting older, just realize all these things that they're making, they're not for us anymore. Yes, we grew up with these fandoms. And yes, okay, let's admit it. They're still, for us old guys, there's still glimmers of hopes. I mean, Ghostbusters Afterlife was freaking incredible. But they they pandered to us old guys very, very well. <laughs> you know, and it was great. But let me just let you know, you know, Aaron and I, I'm not going to speak for his age. I'm in my mid-40s. And you have to have that realization that they're not necessarily making stuff for you anymore. And that's okay. Because guess what? The same thing happened with our parents. You know, I'm quite certain my dad, who was raised, who, who, was, who was raised on Sean Connery, James Bond, mm-hmm. was probably like, I don't know about this Roger Moore character <laughs> or Timothy Dalton or whatever. I had that exact conversation with my dad many times, <laughs> many, many times. And, and see, I don't remember if we talked about this, but my dad love james bond we want to watch every movie together but his standard for what made a james bond movie was rock bottom he he would be happy i would pull up let's say uh tomorrow never dies and you know i'd bring out home the dvd it's like hey dad new james bond movie let's watch it and it'd be done and he would say well i liked it because i haven't seen it a million times that was (laughs) all he cared about that's that's funny i was this might be a topic for another show, Aaron, but I was just thinking the other day about how I kind of agree with your dad that there are certain franchises that <laughs> this is going to sound so stupid, Aaron. I protect myself from burning out on mm-hmm. my favorite TV show of all time is Quantum Leap. I watched them okay. all when they came out about mm-hmm. 10 years later. I watched them all again. About 10 years later, I watched them all again. I don't watch them all the time because I like forgetting what happened. Mm-hmm. And I, like going back and, I know it's a subject for another for another day. But no, I no, I think I think you're right. And I don't know about your dad. It sounds like he had a fair amount of emotional intelligence, but my dad had a ton of it. Because even though I know in his dad brain, he was going, oh, this Roger Moore guy, I don't know. He's not as tough as Sean Connery, whatever. He never said a word. He enjoyed them all because he enjoyed sharing the James Bond experiences with the James Bond experience with his sons. Mm-hmm. That's what mattered. And my goodness, if everybody could be more like my dad, the world would be a better place. <laughs> I, I, I will agree to that. Having never met your dad, I definitely see, yeah, he would have been, he had some good vibes there. And my dad was one of those, I can only picture Sean Connery as James Bond dudes. He, he was not even a Roger Moore guy. Timothy Dalton was the new dude. Okay. I mean, it was, he was that guy, but he just liked seeing something he hadn't seen before. But before he passed, I brought him Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which nobody sees as being the quintessential Indiana Jones movie. There. But we got done watching it, and he said the same thing. Well, it was fun because I haven't seen it before. I, I, <laughs> I love your dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, an, that, there's another, you just lit a whole other candle on, you know, sort of emotional intelligence, pop culture, fandom. I'll never, I will never completely understand the people who plant that flag in the ground on king of the crystal skull and be like this movie flat out sucks and i hate it and it's an insult to the indiana jones you know franchise uh-huh. i'm like it's not that bad it's entertaining you know in my again my opinion is it the worst of the four yeah 
it is. It's my least favorite. Am I mad about it? No, I got more emotional intelligence than that. Like, I enjoyed it. I, I don't go back to it a lot, but I'm like, let me tell you something. And everybody listening, maybe I'll get close to my microphone again. There's going to come a point. And I'm going to try to say this without getting emotional. Okay. Everybody hated and thought Superman for the quest for peace was terrible. And maybe objectively, it's not a great movie, but there's going to come a point where you're going to thank God that you can see Christopher Reeve one more time. I'll give you that. I will. One give of you these that. days, Harrison Ford's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. You're going to have the opportunity to see him that one more time. Mm-hmm. So take it and cherish it. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, tend to lose sight of that and this comes back to the emotional intelligence thing and I, i'm not going to ask to get a bit broader here because as fans we're used to having the discussion of do i like something do i not like something is this for me is it not for me because they're making it so we spend money on it i get that so it's fair for us to have these conversations but you have to remember from a human perspective these are the products of hundreds if not thousands of people dedicating months or years of their lives to building something and you have to i might say you should bear that in mind when you render your judgment on it if you don't like superman 4 okay i mean i think it's i like it well enough i like better than superman 3 so you know I'll, I'll, (laughs) I'll, i'll spin it but you know to say this is the worst movie ever made. It's a travesty to the human race and it ran over my dog. Okay, wait a minute. Back up the truck here. Hold the mayo. <laughs> you cannot like it all day long, but there are a lot of people who put a lot of effort into that who, whose paycheck might have depended on making it. Don't think that they actively went out to make something you didn't like. And for crying out loud, like you said, this may have been their last moment in the sun before they left the surf. I'll let it be that. You don't have to watch it twice if you don't want to, but let it be that. Yeah. You know, I, I just thought of a very wise thing that we should probably write down. It goes something like this. You don't have anything nice to say. <laughs> just don't say anything at all. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that I don't say anything about on social media. You could probably go back and read all my Twitter tweets over the last, I don't know how long I've been on there, eight years or something like that. And by a process of elimination, you can figure out the things I don't like because I don't talk about them. <laughs> i mean like one of the things we say aaron i think you're gonna dig this all right another plug for the the big podcasting that i do is i'm on the long box crusade network i'm certain we'll close out the show talking about that but one of our tenants for jason pat delvin and myself when we talk about because we cover comics we we cover movies we cover old tv shows all kinds of stuff one of our tenants is that we always remind ourselves before we go on a tirade of negativity we always remind ourselves whatever it is we're talking about Whatever the topic is for that episode, whatever that movie is, it's somebody's favorite thing. Treat it like that. You know, King of the Crystal Skull is somebody out there's favorite Indiana Jones movie. Okay. And that's totally cool with me. I'm totally okay with that. And if, if you're listening right now and Indiana Jones 4 is your favorite one, I got no beef with that. And I think it's I know quite that wonderful. person. I think it's quite wonderful that you've made that choice to go against, you know, the majority and embrace it if you embrace it if it hits you maybe it hit you at just the right time you know batman forever hit me at just the right time it was the very first of the joel schumacher two films he did not well thought of in retrospect i love freaking batman forever because it hit me at just the right moment in life i'm a i'm it. a big fan of that movie um it's another conversation as to why but i will yeah i'm very much a fan of if you just take that movie and slice it out forget what came before forget what came after it's solid. It's I, very solid. I enjoy the heck out of it. Yeah, <laughs> I really do. So, but like I said, one of the points is, you know, sometimes something will hit you at just the right time in your life, mm-hmm. like just when you needed it or, or just when you were feeling there was a void that you had that maybe you didn't even know about and it just showed up in time to do that. So another big thing about being emotionally intelligent is realizing your opinion doesn't really matter a hill of beans <laughs> um i I, w- I do encourage everybody to express their positive opinions because i love it when people talk positive 
you know, even when it's stuff that I don't even really like that much. When I see people champion something that they just love, I'm like, hey, maybe they're championing some movie that I didn't really like or whatever, but I can at least keep my mouth shut and let them have their moment and enjoy things. Because what, what's good is going to be for me to pop in there and go, well, here's why you shouldn't like it. That's me showing up to tell people why they shouldn't like black licorice if they like black licorice. It's a waste of our, both of our times. And to, now I'm going to ask people to dig a little deeper into emotional intelligence because this is not a concept that comes natural to us. But when you talk about it hits you at that right moment in your life and you talk about something that you love very, very passionately, let's say you, James Bond, for example, me and Star Trek, my friend and Batman, whatever. You got that from years of loving that thing. It hits you probably at the right time. You might've been a child. You might've been a passionate teenager. You might've been in your twenties and just, you know, struggling through life. It, it hits you at that time. And when you become defensive of it and you want somebody to love it the same way, you're not allowing them to love it the way you did. You're not allowing them to find it at their right moment in time. You're expecting to shoehorn your experience into their life. And that works never, absolutely never. <laughs> no. Yeah. You're completely, uh, looking at the black licorice from the other point of view, like being like, this is great black licorice. You, you should love this. Mm -hmm. No, no, I, I, I just, I just not really not for me. No, no, love it. Love it. No, no, <laughs> I don't want to love it. Like trying to convince people to love stuff. It's just a waste as much a waste time as trying to get people to get people to not love stuff. So, it I mean, will be like, if I came up to you and said, you're going to like Buffy the vampire slayer because you're going to discover it after work on Friday night, your freshman year of college, after you have some stale pizza and it's going to be just the thing for Friday nights. That's absurd. I can't dictate your life experience. If you end up liking Buffy the Vampire Slayer, it's because you're going to find it in your own time and your own place. If you like it at all, which you may not. Absolutely. Absolutely. You just completely described how i fell in love with both mystery science theater and uh, dr Katz, professional therapist two of my favorite shows of all time both on comedy central and i discovered mm -hmm. it like like you said you know i was a college guy and it was like two in the morning and i was like what is this it's really funny i can't believe this exists this is so cool you know you can't you can't reproduce that you really can't um i i do like people who are uh there's a fine line here because I do like people who are ambassadors for things. Um, I like it when, you know, I go to my buddy Joe's house. Uh, he lives, you know, way far away from me in San Antonio. And I go there and Joe's like, hey, man, um, I really enjoyed uh, season one of The Mandalorian. You should check it out. And I was like, yeah, all right. Joe likes it. That's cool. You know, and he's like, you're here all week. You know, maybe we'll just try one tomorrow night. And if you like it, then we'll we'll move on. And and so we put on The Mandalorian and. I was like, yeah, I like that. Let's watch the next one. And the next thing I knew, we blinked and we binged them all. And it was a wonderful experience. But but what I want people to note is Joe's approach. He approached it positively. He didn't tell me I was stupid for never seeing it or that I, I wasn't a real Star Wars fan because I didn't have Disney Plus, you know, like none of that stupid stuff. He's just like, I really like it. I respect Joe's opinion. He didn't beat me over the head with it. He said, hey, would you watch one with me tonight? If you don't like it, we won't move on. I mean, he made it very low threat. That's how you be an ambassador for something you love. That's how you do it. You speak highly of it. People show a little interest. Say, hey, I'll make it available to you. But no, no, uh, no high stakes. So uh, it, it's not it's not bad to try to sell people on black licorice, but don't beat them over the head. <laughs> for the record, people listening, I genuinely do like black licorice. I don't know about it. I like it once in a while. Uh, I get a couple good bites of it and then I'm good for a bit. <laughs> it's like me at the Pizza Hut buffet. I go once a year to remind myself that uh, once a year is good. <laughs> so we're doing a good job at, at, at making the case of just don't be an asshole. Yeah, that's that should be the title of this episode. <laughs> but let, let, let's go a little, what's at stake here? If somebody's sitting around and they're content to be toxic, they're content to be negative. If they're getting something out of it, I, mean, I guess we should look at what's, what's at stake for them. Why do they need to kind of take a step back and say, maybe things could be better if I didn't go this path. There, there, there's a reason for your own self that you shouldn't be 
constantly negative, constantly mm-hmm. fighting with yourself, constantly fighting with other people. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Aaron. Um, all right. You've taken us to a wonderful place for those folks who I don't know, are that way, constantly negative, tearing down, um, whatever it is, what's in it for me. You know, if I stop, stop doing this, essentially what you're asking, that's a really good question because you're not going to get people to change without them seeing what's in it for them. What they need to experience is the lightning of their own burden. Uh, when you take on the mantle of being the negative Nancy about everything, you know, <laughs> being the Debbie Downer about everything and, and, oh, this sucks and that sucks. And I want to seek out people who are discussing whatever topic so I could come in and tell them why they're wrong. Like most people don't realize what a burden that puts on them to carry around that negative burden because they carry it, they've carried it for so long, they don't know it's there. They won't realize the freedom until they start to let it go. And listen, people, I'm going to tell you right now, confess, true confessions on the Hungry Child of Bite podcast. I, you know, I used to be one of those guys. Um, I, you, I, I, when I was in my 20s and early 30s, oh, I'd be the first guy to tell you um, the, the movie, The Titanic, you know, that was so successful. I'd be the first guy to tell you why it sucks and why you're an idiot for liking it. And I, I look back after I sort of learned my lessons through teaching these classes and believing in what I'm teaching and making an effort to change. And I look back on who I was in my twenties and early thirties. And I hate that person. I really do. I'm disgusted with them. And uh, I'm still friends with people that I, <laughs> I've even told, them, I don't know how we're still friends. I don't know how you put up with me. And I, and you know what? I've gone back, Aaron, seriously, after 15, 20 years and apologized. I have told, I've specifically told that person in my life who was a big Titanic fan. I said, you know what? I'm really sorry for the way I talked to you and treated you back when it was popular. And they they thought it was the dumbest thing. Why are you apologizing for something 15 years ago? And I'm just like, I don't like who I was. And when that burden lifts and you feel that you're not that person anymore, everything gets better. You you have more time. You, You breathe more freely. You smile more. You, you focus on the things that bring you joy and you stop caring about the things that are a boat anchor in your life. And it's just, it's so, it's so freeing. It's, it's almost like forgiveness, Aaron. Like, like when someone has wronged you and you carry that burden, Oh, I hate that person. I hate that person. I hate that person. And the old saying goes, you know, you forgiveness sets a prisoner free and it's not the person that you're <laughs> your hatred. So it's you, you're setting yourself free. So yes, I just went a long way around to say, let it go, feel the burden lighten up. Focus on things that bring you joy. Talk with other folks about those things that bring you joy. Don't try to convince people to love things. Don't try to convince people to hate things. Just focus on your own joy. And I'll shut up. No, that's excellent. And, you know, to to go so far as to apologize for your opinion on your your take on a movie. I mean, you're allowed to have your opinion, but the the way you frame it is your take. Oh, yeah. And to to say it's not even necessarily that you needed to say that to maintain your relationship with that person but what you did is you cleared the playing field and gave yourself potential to think in new directions yes and that's what these people are depriving themselves of is the ability to think in new directions well even said. if even if you don't like the new direction you just you know, walk down that path a couple steps you decide you don't like it you turn around you walk back that's okay we're allowed to do that in life well well said uh aaron uh, one of those new directions, by the way, tip of the day, another tip of the day for people listening can, can be backwards. And I don't mean like regress and be worse than you are. I just mean like when I find myself going, well, I don't really feel like Star Trek Discovery is made for me, or I don't think the latest Star Wars trilogy is really for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that the Marvel MCU is really for me anymore. You don't have to get bitter about that, but there's so many. Let's go back to Star Trek. I mean, I have never watched Voyager or Enterprise. I need to see those things. They're there waiting for me. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll love them. New direction. I'm not going to let, because I don't think Discovery is made for me, take everything from me. I'm going to go find something else. You know, MCU. Oh, I don't know that I really like the MCU and where they're heading. Well, guess what? Marvel Comics have been around for a long time. Go read that series you never read. Oh, you never picked up Web of Spider-Man back in the 80s? Well, go read them. 
Mm-hmm. There's so I, much joy to be found in the past. It's probably perfect that you pick comic books to be the last point that we look at here because you and I have talked comic books a lot. Mm. And uh, one of the things we've talked about is vintage stuff, you know, and because I, I, I might have made a passing comment that I don't read a lot of the stuff that DC publishes right this moment. Mm-hmm. I pick and choose here and there because I went through a space where I don't, I didn't read anything they published. And I just went back decades and bought stuff whole hog that I was okay. loving to death. And I oh, still yeah. do that because the company has been around almost a century in some form or another. They've got more than I could ever read in my life. Why <laughs> would I worry about the stuff that's on the shelf right now when I literally have a library of stuff I would love to read and will never get time to read? hundred percent. That's exactly what I mean about maybe going backwards instead of forwards. I'm in the boat with you, Aaron. I, but once upon a time, I subscribed to over 60 comics, Marvel and DC every month. Mm-hmm. I currently subscribe to zero. I'm like you, I'm a sort of a pick and choose guy. And yeah, I'm like, well, why don't I go get that trade paperback of the Phantom Stranger, mm-hmm. you know, from the 60s and 70s that I've never read or the Challengers of the Unknown or weird war tales. And just like, there's just so much. <laughs> and so go seek the happiness. Don't sit around miserable because, oh, well, they don't really make comics for me anymore. Well, that might be true. Maybe they don't. Like I said, I could admit this, this is not really made for me. Mm-hmm. So what are my choices? Get mad and be pissy on the internet or go, eh, let me throw this bad boy in reverse and go pick up some Bronze Age stuff that I never looked twice at when I was a kid. And go have a good time mm-hmm. <laughs> and smile and laugh and find other people who dig that stuff, too. I don't know. Option B sounds pretty good, Aaron. <laughs> I'm liking it. I'm liking it. And I'll tell you what, when I do pick up that, that trade paperback of the Bronze Age stuff and a couple of back issues of my 80s and 90s stuff, I will usually just to keep my, my toes in it, I'll go over to the newsstand and I'll pick up a couple of things that look kind of safe and maybe one or two, I'll call them risk takers. You know, one of those comics that's not really written for me, but you know what? It looks promising. And I've discovered a lot of great stuff that way. Yeah. A lot yeah. of great stuff. I usually find like that kind of stuff through uh, friends, through podcasting friends, especially, uh, you know, we, you, you're about to be featured on our crusade miss countdown, uh, 12 days of crusade miss. You've got an episode in there uh, coming yes, up in the long box crusade network. That's really cool. Um, so like, would I have ever looked twice at a dang Jimmy Olsen comic book? No, but then you came along and I'm like, eh, I probably would. But that doesn't work with just old comics, too. We, you know, a couple of years ago, we had Delvin Cox from the Delvin Cox experience on Crusamus, and he brought a Falcon comic from like 2014, which I was like, eh, I probably wouldn't have picked it up, mm-hmm. read it. Good times. So, a lot of times, people you're friends with who kind of know your taste and stuff, that they, they could be really great people to make recommendations to where you can dip those toes where you might be like, eh, eh, I don't want to read something's going to make me mad. <laughs> And they're like, oh, no, I know you well enough that I recommend this or that. So, yeah, use your trusted friends to help guide you through these stepping stones. And, I mean, find something that you didn't like, then have the emotional intelligence to just be like, eh, okay, it wasn't for me. Moving on. Mm-hmm. Just that and simple. I, um, I found that because there's a, a new, I don't want to get off on a whole different conversation because we, we could, but I'll, I'll just make a point real quick that they, the comics industry has had a lot of criticism that's the nicest word I can use for the quote unquote forced diversity they're having in recent years. And I will say you can have your opinions on that and I will consider those opinions valid, but I would ask you to consider this. If you would like to, if you fancy yourself, somebody who can see things from another person's perspective, consider a story written from their perspective as a good way to get your mind, yourself into their mindset and understand where they're coming from fiction is a great way of bringing us together just telling stories and the types of stories somebody wants to tell can be very enlightening and i'm not saying you have to like this or that or the other thing i'm just saying consider this an invitation to hear a story absolutely one of the the things i talk about in uh in emotional intelligence so it's nice that we're bringing it all back together is to realize that everyone's perspective on things is made up through what I call lenses of experience. Okay. When we, you and I can read the same comic book and maybe the comic book you think is great. And I'm like, this is terrible. Or you're like, Oh, this is a point well-made. And I'm like, Oh, it was so ham handed and stupid. Right. We both read the same comic book. Does that mean you're right or I'm right or you're wrong and I'm wrong? No, 
everyone's outlook on everything and yeah you can take this to the extreme political all the way down to your black licorice is based on your lenses of experience where have you lived what was your home life like who were your friends you know i've definitely learned (laughs) as we've moved into this more modern era that me having grown up in a military environment almost my entire life my dad was a soldier i became into the military i work in a military community to this day that um my lens is so different from everybody else's because while people are are going oh you know diversity 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 i'm like what are you talking about like every diversity is built into my dna you know a military base is chock full of every kind of background you could think of so i had to have my eyes open to like jared you kind of had a unique experience your lens of experience is different from everybody else's and it's made up of so many different things you know how many countries have you been to and how this and that i mean your life experience is so different from mine we have all these different lenses that's why we can both read same book and come away with a different opinion and that's where your emotional intelligence has to kick in and say hey i get it aaron's experience lenses of experience are different from mine just because he liked it and i didn't like it don't make him wrong it's because i liked it and he didn't like it don't make anybody wrong all right. It's, just, it's black licorice. You either like it or you don't based off experience. All right, man. Well, I hate to do this, but we probably should start wrapping this up. So can you tell me again, I'll link back to the old show notes and I will link to all your information, but where can people find you and where can they get some black licorice? Ah, all right. I recommend Australian black licorice, by the way, they usually make the best black licorice. Uh, they can find me on social media. I'm at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. If you want to check out my wares, you can check out my website, www.theyardsaleartist.com. And if you want to catch me podcasting, I highly recommend the Long Box Crusade Podcast Network on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast Network, if you like James Bond. And if you're kind of more into what I had to say about um, you know human behaviors, especially from a leadership point of view, I mentioned it earlier, Leadership Tips with Jared is out there. You can check that out as well. All right, man. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm hoping we can continue this conversation on another podcast in person in some way, shape or form. Absolutely. I always enjoy talking with you, Aaron. You put together a quality show. Uh, we, we went to some deep depths today, but I, I really enjoyed it. And you know what? If some just one person out there kind of got something out of this and maybe turned their life slightly more towards the positive, then I think we've done our jobs. I would like to thank Jared for being my guest today, and I would like to thank you for listening. For the community building part of the show today, I want to talk especially about the fact that we're dealing with mental health. And rather than ask you to do something to advertise the show or let a friend know, I'm going to ask you to just check on a friend. Any friend that you think might need help, even if you don't think they need help right now, reach out to them. Send them a text, send them an email, give them a call. You don't even have to mention the show. Just make sure your friends are okay. Don't forget, you could subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, and we are syndicated on Realm of the Mist, a fantastic podcast network. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.